0: Having um, been in parish ministry for a number of years now, I've um, conducted a fair few funerals. I've mostly, not always, but mostly of folks a generation or two older than myself. I've not kept score, but um, when I'm speaking with folks and when I'm speaking to a bereaved spouse, and when I ask the question, well, well, how did the two of you meet? I I think probably the most common answer is, at the dancing. (laughs) Maybe in years to come, my colleagues of the future might get the answer we met on the internet. Ruth, uh, the Moabite S, whose story we've been following, she didn't have access to the internet, and she didn't even have a Denison Pally that she could go to. (laughs) Not that she was on the lookout for a husband, for when Back in chapter 1, she made her commitment um, to go with Naomi, verses 16 and 17. When she made that commitment, it had been made clear to her by Naomi that, humanly speaking, the prospects in Bethlehem were not good. She would be a foreigner. She would be someone of a despised caste. She had no, nothing to give by way of a dowry or anything. Naomi had been quite clear, it would be much better for you if you stay here in Moab. But Ruth, with her newfound faith in the Lord, and with her commitment to what was right to do, said, no, I'm going to go with you. And so she went with Naomi back to Bethlehem, even though, humanly speaking, there seemed fewer prospects for her. Her newfound faith in the Lord then And the faith responsibilities that came with that faith meant that Ruth would do what was right in God's eyes, even though there was personal cost involved. Now, is that the faith that many of us have embraced? How much... Is faith for us more a thing that's been based on personal choice or some perceived benefit or advancement rather than the kind of faith and trust that Ruth is showing us here in this story? For us, how how much is it an extent? Well, it suits me to believe. I like to believe. It's nice for me to believe. I like this, I like that. Or it, it gets me on. It means I might escape hell and get to heaven or whatever. And thinking in terms of what's right and what's good for me, But faith really is, I will do what's right for God because he is Lord, even when it means I might have to give up certain substantial and, and real benefits for it. That's faith. That's what Jesus surely means when he says, you're going to follow me, take up your cross daily, make sacrifices. There is no biblical faith that doesn't involve sacrifice. So Ruth has made the sacrifice. She's gone with Naomi, and we saw in chapter 2 last week, as David was leading us through it, how she'd been very industrious. But at the beginning of chapter 3, it's the mother-in-law, it's Naomi who's springing into action. The pressure is off. They've got some, somewhere where Ruth's getting a measure of income. But Naomi knew that things were still perilous, And if Naomi was to die first, there would be Ruth in Bethlehem with no family and and nowhere to belong, and of course, nothing as good as universal credit, far less any other kinds of benefits. There was just no provision there at all. And so, she would be very much destitute. And so, Naomi was on the lookout for a husband for Ruth, even if Ruth wasn't. She wanted Ruth to be safe and secure, in that society. The, the, the Seeking for a husband was not simply for comfort or emotional benefit, someone to go on holiday with or whatever. In that society at that time, it was virtually impossible for a woman to survive on her own. And Naomi, aware of that, is wanting to do something about it. Perhaps inspired by Ruth's Busyness in chapter 2 in the field, perhaps inspired too by Boaz's kindness towards them. Isn't it the case that people doing right, people setting a good example, can be an inspiration to others? You know, you can probably think that there are certain people that if you're with, it brings the best out of you, and if there's other people that you're with, it might bring less than the best out of you right? Who we are and how we are impacts not just ourselves but others in ways that we're not even aware of. Boaz was being kind, not so that Naomi would be inspired. He was being kind because Ruth and Naomi were in need. But inspired by Boaz's kindness, by Ruth's industry, Naomi springs into action, as I said. She, she knows the ways and the customs of her people and so she can guide Ruth. And so she instructs Ruth in verse 3 of our reading to wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Now, that instruction um, probably has a double reference. Most obviously, it's get dolled up because you're going on a date. But also, washing and putting on lotions and getting dressed was the way that folks of Israel marked the movement out of a time of mourning into getting on with the rest of life. So, for example, in um, 2 Samuel chapter 12, David is in mourning for his and Bathsheba's son who has died. And after that period of mourning is over, we're told in, in verse 20 that David washed and used lotions and got dressed. It was a sign of the time of mourning is finished. We've moved on. And I think in verse 3 here, when Naomi's giving these instructions to Ruth, she's also saying things are beginning to change. Back in chapter 1, she was just negative all the time. She was talking about how bitter she was, how things were against her, how there was nothing for her. She was empty-handed. And we had seen that God was beginning to change, but Naomi took a wee while to notice it. That happens to us, doesn't it? When we're down in the, this is against me, this isn't happening for me, this isn't working for me. We're often slow to notice when things do change, when things do uh, go better. And Naomi was a bit slow on that here. But she's now got it. And she gives these instructions to Ruth. So, Naomi has taken charge. And then, secondly, Ruth takes action. As I said, more obviously, the instructions in verse 3 were for her to do all she could to make an impression. Get some of the Chanel perfume on you. Put on that pretty little black number that you look so good in. And nighttime is just the better time for romance, isn't it? So I just know where Boaz is going to be. And more than that, this is the night to do it because he'll have been threshing the barley. He will have been saying, we've been blessed by God. The famine is well over. Things are good. And he will have had a couple of glasses of wine to celebrate that. He'll just be in the ideal place for being wood. She's not daft as Naomi. And and Ruth Ruth obeys. Ruth does this. Now, there's a lot of uncertainty over the phrase in verse 4, where Naomi says to Ruth, then go and uncover his feet. The reason there's uncertainty is polite Hebrews, and this was written in Hebrew, remember, polite Hebrews would use that phrase to describe a revealing of a wee bit more than your feet. So, we don't actually know how far she was going to lift up the blankets and how far she was going to go. What we do know is that she's taking a bit of a risk here. Boaz, verse 10, to jump forward for a moment, doesn't think that he's eligible. He, he thinks that Ruth might have run after, he says, verse 10, the younger men. He thinks he's punching a, bu- a bit above his weight here. But at this point in the story, Ruth and indeed Naomi don't know that. They couldn't have known whether or not Boaz would be interested in Ruth. Such were the customs of the time. There was no opportunity for flirting day by day. There were some quite strict rules about behaving in public and division. And so, what's going to happen here? Perhaps Boaz would be horrified and stop being generous towards them. Sometimes, life demands such risks. Sometimes, we have to take a chance, and sometimes we have to take chances not just out of some innate desire to be gambling with things, but when we take responsibility for following the Lord, sometimes we have to step out in faith. We are not to leave everything in the providence of God imagining that God will somehow sort things out for us without our doing anything. It could be, as I said earlier, an act of sacrificial giving. Ruth's saying, I'm going with you even though there's no good human prospects of me marrying again or anything like that. I'm going with you because I want to be with with you and with the Lord's people. An act of sacrificial giving. It might be a calling for someone to change career. Maybe a new project or endeavor to be involved in. Perhaps it's an opportunity about sharing our faith. Maybe it's taking a public stand as our local MP has done inadvertently when she voted against um, the extension of um, abortion in Ireland and did so out of Christian principles and has been hectored and bullied and had all kinds of vitriol for having done so. And some of that having come from within her own party as well. Christians making a Christian stand will not always be welcomed. Following Jesus, taking, showing faith in the living God, is not a risk-free business. Jesus never said it would be. And if we're really following Jesus... Yes, there'll be sacrifices to make, the right things to do, because even though it's not for personal gain. And there will sometimes be times like what Ruth's doing here when you're taking a bit of a risk. Spread the corner of your garment, she says to Boaz in in verse 9. And the same word for garment is the word that was used back in chapter 2, where it said, May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, said Boaz, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. The word for wings, uh, chapter 2, verse 12, is the same as garment in in this uh, verse 9 of chapter 3. Basically, Ruth is saying to Boaz, Boaz, take me under your wing. You be the answer to that prayer that you made back in chapter 2. It is yours to do, Boaz, she's saying, as our guardian redeemer. Marry me, Boaz. She is taking a risk, isn't she? Now, the guardian redeemer, verse 9, was usually the closest male relative who was expected to step in in instances of misfortune. The specific tasks that a guardian redeemer would do was to would reflect the Lord's own work in redeeming, restoring, and protecting Israel. Even in family relationships, God's people were to imitate God's character and his commitment to them. So, Naomi has taken charge. She has said what's to happen and, and, and given Ruth advice. Ruth has taken action. Thirdly, Boaz does not take action advantage. Wouldn't it have been easy for him? There he is. Nobody else is around. In the middle of the night, she's cosying up to him. He could do what he likes here and and, um, get away with it. I mean, she's not going to complain who she got to complain to. Besides, she would have to explain, if Boaz took advantage of her, she would have to explain how come she got there in the middle of the night in the first place. Boaz has got an open goal here, if he's so minded. But Boaz is not so minded, because Boaz, as we're seeing, is a man of integrity. Furthermore, He's got an out in that he does not have to do what the guardian redeemer is being asked to do. Because, verse 12, he is not the closest relative. Yes, I'm a relative, he says, but there's one closer than me. But Boaz, again, because he's a man of principle, he wants to refer this to the closer relative. He's not going to take advantage. But nor is he looking for an out because he says, verse 13 that if the closer relative doesn't do, take up this responsibility of being Ruth's husband, he's going to do it. And the final act of Boaz in the chapter and in verse 15 was a further act of kindness, not just towards Ruth, but also towards Naomi, as he gives more food. If he was going to face up to his family responsibilities, he would do so not just towards Ruth, but also towards Naomi, who also needed support and provision. And so we see that actually a good match. In verse 11, Boaz has referred to how it's become well known that Ruth is a person of noble character. And so is Boaz too. He doesn't take advantage of the situation. And he doesn't forget his relatives or wider responsibilities to others. Now, throughout this story of Ruth, we see two things coming together. The actions of God in leading his people and the activity of his people in serving him. It's impossible to avoid noting that the Lord has brought things together, but also that it's only as men and women are active in faith that they experience God's favor. People, you see, are not blessed by the Lord as they do nothing. People are not blessed because they have a religious veneer when they don't put their lives where their mouths are. While faith involves trusting God or looking to Him to provide, to change things, to bring blessings, to advance the kingdom, faith is also something that does things, that is active. Faith is trusting that there is a plan and a purpose that God is working out in our lives, even when we cannot see that. But that doesn't mean faith is a complacent waiting around. There is all the difference in the world between trusting God and twiddling your thumbs. Faith, as we have seen in this chapter, involves enterprise, action, endeavor. Naomi's using her wits. Ruth takes risks. And Ruth and Boaz, being people of faith, trust and obey. A well-known prayer that has... um, been attributed to, goodness knows how many people um, in the past, is the serenity prayer. God, give me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change. Give me the courage to change the things that I can. Give me the wisdom to know the difference. And that's got that balance. It's a recognition that God is sovereign, but it's also a recognition that we need to be active. It's a recognition that without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. And that's what we see screaming out of the pages of this book. God at work, God, yes, moving things, bringing people into the picture, but people are taking actions in faith. Naomi and Ruth and Boaz, all at different times, because of faith in God saying, this is what needs to be done, this is what we give ourselves to, taking risks and making sacrifices. God works, we act. He works as we act, through our acting, through our serving, through our living out the faith. Isn't that how how prayer works? God knows what is to come, what he plans to do. So how then is he affected by what we ask or what we say? It is only because God has chosen to work out his will through our prayers. He is determined to involve us in his purposes. And prayer is a main way in which he does so. When I pray, I'm recognizing that I'm not master of everything. If I were master of everything, I wouldn't need to ask anyone else to do anything for me. I would be the master. I would just do it. But I'm not, and I know I'm not. One of the ways that I express that is is prayer. I recognize as a God who's more sovereign than I am. But also as I pray, I'm not being passive and and showing that a willingness to be collaborators and work with God or the call to, to, to holiness The verses that we read at the beginning of our service from Philippians chapter 2. Work out your salvation. On you go, work it out. God is at work in you. Verse 30. The process of change in our life needs the help of the Holy Spirit to change us. But we also know that change doesn't come without decision and determination in our part. What about the provision of daily bread? We prayed for that this morning in the Lord's Prayer, give us our daily bread. Now, which amongst us has prayed that prayer and then thought, well, that's great, nobody has to go to work? Lord, give us our daily bread. Fantastic. I'm handing him a notice. You see, we recognize that there's a God who has made a world that is fruitful I and mean, that we need God to, to continue to sustain that world and keep that world fruitful. But that doesn't mean there's nothing for us to do. We have to work to bring that fruitfulness to bear and to, to share with others. Think about the area of guidance. Yes, people seek God's leading. But also we're to knock on doors and ask questions and add things up as we see them. This is what David, our probationer minister, and his wife, Victoria, be engaged in as they look for another charge, and beyond that, Ali and Fiona months down the road. What next? Where is God calling? And it is both the leading of God that is being sought, but also discussions and questions and and knocking on doors and seeing what's right. Why? Because without God we cannot and without us, God will not. It's not the case that God does 50% and we do the other half, nor is it the case that he does maybe 85% and leaves you just 15. It is 100% God at work, and 100% us who work. Isn't that the story of the whole Scriptures? Remember Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his, his brothers, And then they told the old man that he died. And eventually, when when Joseph is reunited with his brothers, and Joseph said, you meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. You see, they had done what they had done, but God had been at work in a different way. Or the people of Israel escaping from slavery in Egypt. The plagues that come upon the Egyptians, sent by the Lord, but Moses still had to go and speak to Pharaoh. Moses still had to walk into the room and not know if Pharaoh was going to kill him or not. Or even the best example, of course, the cross of Jesus itself, which we're told numerous times in the scriptures was God delivering Jesus up to be crucified. And yet, when we read the story, we see these different people acting. Judas betraying, Caiaphas plotting and planning, Pilate trying to dodge responsibility, etc., etc. Without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. It is both and. So, on the one hand, will we be glad to be in the arms of a Savior who loves us. A Savior who cares about us, who provides for us, who even, as in this story of Ruth, while there might be times things just seem to be going badly wrong and we can't see anything working out, yet will we still trust that there is a God under whose wings we take refuge? Is that your God? I'm not asking if you believe in a God who's away up in some cloud somewhere. I'm not asking if you believe in a God who um, in some way is, is, is there and watching to see if you make mistakes. I'm not asking if you be, believe in a God who's in any way distant. I'm saying, is there a God who's got his arms around you? There's a God under whose wings you take refuge. Is that your God? Is there a God who you consciously are aware you depend on day by day? And on the other hand, will we be a people seeking more and more to put into practice the ways of God, the life of Christ in our daily lives? Are you there as well? Because it's both and. Here it again, the story makes clear there are sacrifices for us to make. There are steps to take in obedience. There are things to do without and things to embrace and risks to take. Is that your faith as well? What more can I do for the kingdom? The story of Ruth shows us not just that it's a place where without God we cannot and without us, God will not. The testimony of the book of Ruth actually is that's a pretty good place to be. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of the service, and again, that we read a couple of verses from Philippians chapter 2. We're going to sing again, and it's a hymn that's uh, based, actually, on Philippians, a passage in Philippians chapter 3. And the apostle Paul, is, who has recognized God's care and God's provision, saying, yeah, but the Us too. And we have to put our lives where our mouths are. We have to give that kind of caring and serving and risk taking.